Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. Hello once again, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. I am Chris. With us once again is Mike. Mike is back. Mike, what have you been up to since we've seen you last year? What have I been up to? Uh, I am now officially a philosophy student at the U of C. I continue to be a father, provided she hasn't died at this point. I should check my phone. And I'm still a purveyor of liquor. I work in a liquor store and uh, know all things when it comes to booze. Nice. Yeah. And Mike and I are here today discussing Lush's 1994 album, Split. I appear to be assigning you albums that are best understood as transitions. The Ladytron record you listened to caught them between synth and guitars, and now with Lush, what you're hearing came out between a proper shoegaze record and their attempt at radio-friendly Britpop. And for me at least, I feel like Split captured the best part of both genres. It's a beautiful, delicate record that floats above you, but also a set of clearly defined songs that you can hum along to. It's part of the UK pop zeitgeist of its time, but also something all its own. A Frankenstein mishmash of where Lush came from and where they would later wind up, that by virtue of capturing a moment between genres, winds up being much more than the sum of its parts. Because this is a beautiful album to me. It's the perfect example of good music to chill out to when I use that phrase, and I do use it a lot. It's one of the first examples, in fact, that I found which really affected me. This is the record that taught me that sometimes it's okay to just sit down and listen to a piece of music. Sometimes it doesn't have to be for anything. Sometimes it can just be allowed to be. This record taught me that sometimes you have to sit down with a piece of music and let it envelop you, to take the time and live within it, inhabit it, and let it inhabit you to stop and fully live within a piece of music in order to understand it properly. This record taught me to be present, within an experience, and that's important. It's an important thing for all of us to learn, a thing that too many of us don't find the time to do nearly enough. This record centers me. It calms me. On this album, a weird little shoegaze band called Lush built a cathedral of sound. And it's a cathedral I go back to again and again. And I'm grateful for that. More grateful than I can properly say. So, Mike, you'd never heard Split by Lush, and now you have. What do you think? I was very impressed by it. It has been on my player almost nonstop since you gave it to me to listen to. I mean, it came out of nowhere because, I mean, I feel I know a fair amount about Britpop. Uh, I feel that, you know, I've got a fairly good versing in music, and I had never heard this. Had had never even heard of Lush, and going through the album, I don't think I'd ever heard any of the tracks, even just like even just a single, anything like that. I don't think they released too many singles from this one, but yeah, I was very, very impressed with it. I agree. It's it's a very calm. I found it calming. I listened to it on the road. I listened to it walking to and from work. All of this sort of thing. And it just sort of brings me to 
not sad, not happy, just sort of nice midline. Yeah, you know? it's it's a very chill. All of the 1990-91 scene that celebrates itself, shoegaze bands are good for that. Mm-hmm. Ride, slow dive, etc., etc. They really mastered how to control an atmosphere and bring you to a gentle landing emotionally in a way that a lot of other styles of music I don't know if do as well. I I would agree with that. I mean, shoegaze is something entirely new to me. Like, at first, listening to it, I'm like, okay, what what genre is this? Like, what the hell is this album? Because you go from, like, this sort of light, almost very quasi-folkish type stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. like Like, electric guitar, but folky. And then you get a couple of, like, punk tracks, and then everything to a track that intros very similar to, like, Tool. It's got an opening that's very similar to Tool, and we'll talk about that later, but I was just like, what the hell is this? And so I'm like, I actually have in my notes, it's like, what genre is this? And, you know, on further investigation, oh, so this is Shoegaze. Ah, now I see what I was missing from all of that. So, yeah, no, I found it to be a totally different style from what I normally listen to. Normally I'm like either like full punk or full grunge or, you know, full metal. And this sort of has aspects to all of it. It's really well done. It's from one of my favorite periods of music. It's the pre-Nirvana 90s, where things were allowed to get a little bit weird. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> they do. They definitely get weird. You can hear the emotion in the voices. Yeah, the vocalists are spectacular. Mickey and Emma, uh, the two young women singing, each have a gorgeous voice. And the harmonies, oh, are just wicked. Just, I, I loved the harmonies. Haunting. Just yeah, haunting. Yeah, it, they, they just, their voices fit together just so well. The track will be done, and you can still hear that final harmonic, and it's like, oh, just gives you the chills. Yeah, it's... this style of music, <laughs> a lot of the time, is built on harmonies, mm-hmm. but never more successfully than with these guys. Okay. They were fortunate enough to have two spectacular ethereal voices who sing really well together. And it really does elevate what they're doing, I think. Yeah. Each track, you know, it'll start with, generally speaking, it started with just a single voice. And then the second voice will come in, generally, to start in the chorus. But then it continues with the two voices. And they're doing different lines. And just, oh, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. They're really good at that. They've really mastered it. And they are starting to get to the point here where they're wedding it to structured songs, which is an interesting moment of transition. In uh, another year, you have heard of Lush. You have danced to them at Dickens. Okay. I would bet money on it. So probably a track that I know to hear it, but... Yeah, a couple of up-tempo tracks. I know that Dickens will play Chow, which is their duet with Jarvis Cocker that, from that Paul. That stands to reason. Yeah, okay. I know that they will sometimes play uh, Single Girl, but it's all off of their next one, which mm-hmm. is all up-tempo tracks. A lot of the bands from this period transitioned from this style of music to Britpop once it became clear that 
Britpop was going to be the thing that was happening in UK alternative music for a few years? Well, because I actually I actually wrote down for one of the tracks, Lit Up. <laughs> I actually, my notes are Damon Alburn? Question mark, question mark, question mark, because it sounds so much like his style of music and writing and singing, and I was just like, yeah, sure enough, it's, it's about the same era as Modern Life is Rubbish from Blur, and a lot of similarities to it. There was also, I, I also got hints of, hints of, like, Robert Smith guitar. Anytime there's sort of, not, not the rhythm guitar stuff, but, like, the solo stuff in the bridge of a few songs and stuff like that, where it's like, it almost sounds like the Cure disintegration a bit. There's, there's something, it might be the effect, it, it may not be the playing itself, but it's the effect they have on the guitar, but it's just like, I swear, Robert Smith would love this album. Maybe yeah. he does. A lot of his stuff, over the course of The Cure, did invest its energy in the same kind of really gigantic, overarching, sonic palette. Yeah, it's, it's just full. It's got everything to it. Yeah, for a four-piece, they sound much bigger... Oh, absolutely. ...than they have any right to. Well, and I know... Circa disintegration and stuff like that. They were using a lot of synth and stuff as well as the guitar. So I think that was plumping it up. But it was just the way that the guitar hit me on a few of these tracks. Um, Desire Lines, Love Life, and Never Never in particular. There's something to the guitar, the effect, the method of playing, just the lines themselves. And I'm just like, I wonder if there's, like, a producer in common there. Like, one of the, the producers doing something in terms of the sound. Maybe. But there were eight or ten different bands operating within this area of the sandbox yeah. at this time. So it could just be that a bunch of bands heard Disintegration. I mean, this record came out in 94. Disintegration was... Uh, Lush's a... debut EPs were, like, 91. Disintegration was, 89. Like 89, 87, somewhere there, yeah. So that... Timeline yeah, kind of lines up. Yeah, it does. It's, hey, we heard this great thing. Let's see if we can emulate and make it our own. Yeah, which I would also buy, because there definitely could not be one no. <laughs> hyperactive producer working with this many bands. <laughs> hey, this, this producer works with every single British band. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, there definitely could be. I just think that if there were, I would have heard of that person. I'd, uh, we, we'd, we'd, <laughs> I'd have a name we, for We'd you. have a name, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, again, uh, you know, the one song, Undertow, the intro to that with the the rhythm section, the drums doing the, like, really intricate rhythm, and then just this sort of fairly simple bass line, I was just like, I swear to God I've heard this intro before. Mm. And I eventually came down, it's from Tool's Disposition, uh, off of Lateralis. I was like, it sounds so similar. Like, different enough that obviously Tool wasn't copying or anything, but it was just like, whoa! And nothing that you'd think of from these guys. Like, the rest of the album is not metal or new metal or whatever the fuck you want to call Tool these days. But, yeah, it was just like... There was such similarity to it, and that track just stood out for me. Just, the harmonies at the end just blow me away. Yeah, they really leave everything. Yeah, that one in particular. On the table. Yeah, it's... The first 90 seconds of Light from a Dead Star, the first track, mm -hmm. tell you 
literally everything that you are going to need to know about this band. It's so true. Yeah, I was like, what? It's a great intro. I'm starting to get really jazzed for what this is going to be. And then, yeah, sure enough, every track has a bit of that to it. Yeah. It's... There are very few records out there that you can listen to ni- the first 90 seconds of and <laughs> yeah. then go, I already know what I think about this, <laughs> and I'm either going to take it or not. But this one, I almost feel like you can. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to find another, like, yeah, no, I mean, you can't, you can't stand Radiohead up to that. No, because every one of the tracks on their albums are different. And every one of their um, albums is different from every other one. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... Yeah. I... Maybe For Tomorrow by Blur. Okay. That's pretty indicative of that album. But I mean, when you get into their whole catalog, it's maybe not indicative of that. Yeah, even But, uh, well, okay, uh, so you're saying the 90 seconds for this album, does it also sort of play out to the rest of Lush's discography? No, they move around a lot. Okay. Well, I mean, like, they move in one direction once, but you're catching... (laughs) (laughs) But you're catching them right in the middle of that right now. Okay. So it feels like they move around a lot. All right. The one previous to this was Distortion All the Way Up, Constant Harmonies full-on shoegaze either fall into a groove or don't. We're not really paying attention to the audience. <laughs> we're, we're playing with our backs to you. Type music? Yeah. And then the one following this is a full-on pop album. And they released, they only released the three and then a series previous to their debut of extremely well-regarded and extremely good EPs. Okay. The EPs were also worthy of being on my list for the show, but talking about EPs is not it's my mandate. Yeah, it's Start your own podcast, someone who likes EPs. <laughs> there, there's there's a different mechanic to EPs versus albums. Yeah. It's... But yeah, by a year after this, they were a really straightforward pop band of their time, doing it really well. A lot of the bands from this era made that transition with greater or lesser success. I know the Boo Radleys transitioned from this type of kind of strange, offbeat, experimental, drony, shoegaze stuff mm-hmm. to some really pure California pop hits. Ride tried to go the birds route, and that tanked them and destroyed their career. Which, I don't even care. I liked Carnival of Light. History is not remembering it well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But I don't know where it comes from was a real good jam, and people aren't giving that record enough of a chance. Yeah. But by 95, 96, all of these bands had either transitioned into more of a Britpop mode or transitioned into a more American alternative road in terms of, like, yeah. Chapter House was, and whatnot, yeah, Swerve Diver. Yeah. And then... Both of those things had imploded by 96, 97. Yeah. It was, and then the bands were basically done. Yeah. All of those sort of movements disappeared as of, yeah, it had to have been 97. Already at that point, you were starting to get into like proto hipster. That was, yeah, the beginning of like the real boy band craze. There was like a drastic shift to it. Like something that I'm pretty sure everyone who was around listening to music at that time viscerally felt. It was like a world tilt. Yeah, it, it was. sort of, where'd all my music go? But 
No. And I suppose are, like... I suppose it played to a different group of people who were like, yay, it's my music's time. But I was never that person who got to have that, so. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, there was nobody to um, carry the flag. No, not at all. It's Like, in the UK, Oasis imploded, and Blur, Blur decided they wanted to sound like Pavement, which, by the way, they are good at. Yeah. And that's their right, and I like those records, too. Oh, I did. I and then love Pulp. their self and Yeah. Is it the self-titled? self-titled? Yeah, self-titled, where it's just, it's a 180 switch. Yeah. I love that album, but it's not Blur. Like, it's not Blur as it had was. Been. Yeah. Uh, and then in the States, uh, Nirvana, obviously, and <laughs> Soundgarden and Smashing Pumpkins put out a bad record and then took some time to regroup, and Pearl Jam needed a few years to fight with Ticketmaster. Yeah. Like, both scenes kind of opened up a vacuum. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this would have been, yeah, Napster time and all of that as well. I think it was a few years previous to Napster, but oh, yeah, not yeah, many. Yeah, Napster would have been, yeah, 2000-ish. Yeah, this was the tail end of you can actually convince 15 million people to buy your record because they like one song. <laughs> and, ah, uh, I long for those days. Right? It's... Do you know what, though? Mm. Full disclosure, there's some bands that I only like because I was willing to pay 15 bucks for one song one time. This is true. Like, if Harvey Danger put out their record right now... Oh, absolutely. Who would listen to a second song no, from it? not at all. Not at all. And I... It's I, still good. It's... They're I, good. I, They're I, a good band. They will be hard. lost to history forever. For, for me, that... It, you know, Harvey Danger is one. Space Hog would be another. All right, all right. Um, and you listen to the album, and it's so, so clear that it was to produce... A single song. It was, in the meantime, is the only one that's being done. And then everything else on that album is totally out there. Just, yeah. And not badly produced, but not nearly to that level. And, yeah, I bought it. And I'm willing to stand up and say, yeah, I bought Space Hog. And I still like that album. Yeah, sometimes you revisit it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nowadays with being able to stream stuff or buy a single track on iTunes or stuff like that. You're just never going to have that. And, you know, there were also were a bunch of records that I did not need. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into. We, that, that, is, that is a laundry list. I am vaguely jealous of the people who discovered Flo Rida. <laughs> In the iTunes era, where you could pay a buck twenty-nine for the one Flo Rida song that you cannot get out of your head... And not have to plunk down sixteen bucks. Oh, please tell me you didn't. Oh God, no. Okay. Oh no, I paid a buck twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I okay. Couldn't get Club Can't Even Handle Me out of my head one time <laughs> in two thousand nine. Listen to it nonstop for like, like a week and a half. Oh no, don't. But no, not that. Like no, yeah. not gonna listen to an album of Florida. It's mm-hmm. not gonna give me an emotional arc. <laughs> I'm not. Whereas something like this one does. Yeah. I mean, you do get over the course of it. You know, you get the up, you get the down, and then you get this sort of rebound back up. It's the um, the two middle tracks, Invisible Man followed by Undertow, are sort of the low point in the album. They are the darkest of the tracks in it. And then you start to come back up. You know, you get Never Never, which is back, not quite to the beginning, but sort of upswinging yeah. from it. So, yeah, it's... It's got a really good flow to it, and I 
I absolutely appreciate that. I mean, would you say that it has, like, a flow-through in terms of what's being said, or...? With this style of music, I'm more listening to impressions and emotions than lyrics. It is a lot of songs about relationships and a lot of songs about yearning and a lot of songs about love. And I don't know that there's a story to all of it. But at the same time, with what this record is musically, I don't know that it could be about anything but yearning. Like, this is really, at its best, music that aches. Yeah, a little oh, absolutely. Bit. And the lyrics are very much in line with that. When I Die, the last track of the record, Yeah, I'm on record saying that Lost Together by Blue Rodeo is the most beautiful song that's ever been written. Okay. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise. All right. But if I had to make a list of songs that could at least compete, When I Die is right up there for me. It's a really, like, heartrending feel to close out the record on. I don't look up, I don't look down, I look ahead and make no sound. My love was there, I only stare. They're not complex. It's a, yeah, they songs not, lyrically. They're but, not genius poets or anything to that effect, but, you know, it, but it's it the, works. But it's the perfect lyrics for this. Mm -hmm. There is not a better line that could have been in that place. It fits what they're doing. I had said it when we talked about Ladytron, where a lot of the time, I my brain just doesn't process the words. It hears the words, but it doesn't process meaning or anything to that. It's just processing the literal sound to it. And I would agree, in terms of particularly the harmonies on this one, the words get lost for me, but the sound of the words and the two of them singing together just, oh, it just breaks my heart yeah. to not have more of that in the world. I need more of that. Come on. Agreed. I think they put out an EP last year. I, I so they might be something doing, about that. They might be doing work again. All of the bands from this period are sort of... In the past year or two. Yeah. A lot of them vanished for a very long time. In between, bands like Jesus and Mary Chain were plugging along throughout. But I know that... There's been a wave worth of, like, the early to mid-90s Canadian acts yeah. that have been touring around and doing the, like, marquee stages and that sort of size venue yep. around and doing just one-off shows or even, you know, just small tours. It kind of... Every time I see... A show like that, I see, or well, I haven't seen a lot of them, but anytime I see one of them come up, I am reminded of the film Hardcore Logo. And that's kind of depressing because it's trying to regain their youth, regain their place in society. Yeah. And but uh, in this case, with, uh, <clears throat> with this era mm -hmm. scene, they're following up the tours. Are they? With actual releases. Excellent. Yeah, Ride put out a record last year. Okay. Which was terrific. Mm -hmm. Slow Dive put out a record last year, which is the best thing that they've done since Suvlaki. Lush put out an EP last year that I really got a kick out of, and I look forward to hearing more. Part of, I think, why the early to mid-90s bands are the ones getting back out on the road is because all of the members of those bands are at an age now 
where the stupid fight that you had at 26 that ended a friendship yeah. is something that you're capable of recognizing as stupid and partly your fault. Yeah, I mean, it, these are people who are coming into their 50s yeah. sort of thing. I guess petty shit just doesn't yeah. matter quite as much. And a petty shitty fight that you had at 27 yeah, it's... matters less than good <clears throat> art that you made with someone who you liked. Yeah, well, precisely. You know, it's even... You know, at my age, you know, coming into my 40s uh, shortly here, I've noticed that sort of trend. I'm not quite to the everyone can be bygones sort of thing, but I can feel it going there. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I don't care. This was a fight from 20 years. This was a, a you know, a personal slight from 15 years ago or whatever. I just don't care. I want to see the people I remember and enjoyed spending time with. Yeah, so, it takes a lot of energy to be angry. It does. Oh, goodness, does it ever. That explains why I'm always so tired. That checks out. Yeah. That checks out. It's Unbeknownst to me, I was basically all through high school as well as college, I had the nickname of Angry Mike. Like, not, not you to not, my face. Did but... you not know that you had that nickname? No, I did not. Oh, man. I, 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 was, I was informed of it uh, about a year ago. and. Yeah, apparently it was never to my face, but there were so many mics in my age group. Yeah. You know, it was the most popular name for X number of years or whatever. So you had to start identifying them, and somehow it was just always angry Mike for me. Yeah, I guess that's... Uh, there you go. Listeners, you have a bit of a piece on me there. I, I am just generally... Definitely having guy. known you from that era, I have heard you referred to thusly. I have no uh, if, idea why. If you had been doing an HBO stand-up special in 1994, it would have been mostly screaming about how things are bullshit. I'm not sure and it would have I, changed much in 20 years. I mean, probably more like spoken material I, I, about how things are bullshit. I'd, I'd be more eloquent about it. A more, yeah, a more thoughtful critique. I'd, I'd have points one, two, and three as to why things are bullshit. I wouldn't just scream things are bullshit. And then you would, you know, go back to your dressing room and pour two fingers of scotch and yeah, and just put on some lush and struggle to not have a heart attack. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a really great life. What I miss my calling. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, like all of those comedians overdosed on cocaine. Every one of them. Yeah, you you can't actually maintain that level of anger in a non chemically. Assisted sort of way. Well, I do drink a lot of coffee. That's true. Yeah. Coffee goes with everything. Yeah. Well, it does, uh, even with, you know, liquor. Yeah. That's why we have Irish. And to put in Irish our coffee. Everything. It would, uh, a million flavors of Baileys now. Yeah, I had to. Just th- keep it back to the original, please. Like Let's just flavor things. No. Uh, I, we don't need to flavor everything. You know, not every beer needs to be flavored. Not every. Liquor needs to be fl- oh. okay, but as I'm a sh- going on a rant here, as a huge advocate of pumpkin spiced beer. Oh God! I'm not saying every beer needs to be flavored. I'm saying it's nice to have options. Is pumpkin spiced beer the uh, well, presumably white male equivalent to the uh, pumpkin spice latte for? Uh, no, women? I think it's also for women. I'm just a little bit basic. Okay, I have a tattoo of an inspirational quote on my wrist. I'm obsessed with pumpkin spice. My enjoyment of Kesha. Oh no! Is no, Chris, no. Not ironic. It is very genuine. 
I suppose I'm going to have to listen to it to see if I understand why. No, I'll never make anyone listen to a Kesha record. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> like individual Kesha tracks. Okay. There is not an album that I can point to and go, the through this line here moved me. <laughs> That's not what her job <laughs> is. <laughs> My brain just broke. Ah, <laughs> uh, Those words, even, even saying that is not something that it is, those words should never be uttered. Yeah. It's... <laughs> She's good at making pop music. Admittedly, yeah, very catchy tracks. You're in a better mood after listening to her. That's her only job. People who expect more from her than that are the ones being unreasonable. It's good pop music that puts me in a good mood. And you get a clear sense of who she is as a human being. See, ironically, I so infrequently want to be put into a good mood. Join us. Join, join it's, us. It's nice to be in a good mood. I suppose so. And You're getting older literally every day. Yeah, yeah, yes. Be in a good mood some of the time. Begrudgingly, I may have to try. Yeah. Or be in a chill mood. I'll just... I'll, I, 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 would, I would accept that. I'll push music out of you that'll make you chill right now, and then we'll see if we can graduate you to a good mood. <laughs> but... but, but. Mike's seventh appearance on the show, and we are now listening to whatever the current equivalent of Aqua would be. Oh my god, how old do you think I am? I don't know. I'll never know. I'll never know. I will, I will never know either. Thank goodness. Yeah, happy just isn't a thing that has really come easily to me. Admittedly, I find it perplexing that it comes easily to anyone. I resent people who can easily be happy a little bit. Yeah, it's... I'm capable of being happy. It's not... But it took a while, and I have to, like, consciously stay on top of it. It'll catch me by surprise sometimes. Yeah. Like, it'll come up behind me and sort of tap me on the shoulder sort of thing. But it is not my natural state of being in any way. And trying to maintain it? Don't even talk about that. There's no way. 100%, I'll definitely start second-guessing myself immediately. Or Wait. specifically trying to ruin it. Oh. Oh, I... I'm I, working I, on that. Oh, the self-sabotage when I'm happy, my God. But self-sabotage is so fun while it's happening. It really is. It's kind of fun to make those decisions that you know you don't need to be making. Right? It's to walk away from the tire fire that your life has become over the course of a few minutes. And then to turn and look back... And watch it burn, and to brush your hands off and go, that was cathartic. That was cathartic. That was what I had needed at that moment. (laughs) Yep. Now what the hell am I going to do? Oh, God. (laughs) There's that that brief interlude where you just go, ah, that felt great. Oh, God! (laughs) I've blown it up. (laughs) I've blown it all up, you maniacs! Oh, the number of times I've experienced that in my adult life. Yeah. Oh. Sometimes you gotta. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I would say it is a necessary part of being a human being. I hope that it is, because I... Because I can't if I do were, it. If I were to learn that it was not, then I've wasted a lot of time. <laughs> I probably need to be committed in that case. Oh, crap. All right, well, we'll yes. stick to music that keeps you okay. chill. <laughs> it's, Lush, well, is, if, if, Lush if is good for chill. Absolutely. It's a little bit it melancholy. I it's very beautiful. 
I don't necessarily... You can dwell within it. I don't necessarily equate chill with any emotion. Chill can be its own thing in in its entirety. Uh, melancholy is its own... I compartmentalize my entire life. So when I'm happy, that is in its own little compartment. Okay. And when I'm melancholy, it goes in its place. And I try to... If anything, when I notice that I'm starting to feel one of these, I will do everything in my power to feel it as much as I can. I'll put on the whatever album makes me most melancholic, or I'll do whatever makes me feel most happy on a regular basis. And then as soon as it's done, it's just done. Whereas chill sort of transcends all of that. It goes through it. Mm. It's... Less a mood than a feeling. I don't know if that made any sense because it didn't when I said it. I think I know what you mean. And I do, to a point, agree that melancholic and chill are two very different things. They can, they can coincide? I'm merely saying that this is both. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are two different qualities. It's just that this record in particular possesses both of those qualities. Absolutely. You know, I found while listening to it, it's just, for me, it, it's sort of just under midline. It's like just the melancholy side of the midline. I'll buy that. Not like deep into it for me, and that may just not, it maybe I don't have the personal connection to it yet. I anticipate I probably will because I will be listening to this a lot because I come out of the album relaxed. Yeah, very much it's, so. It's so. a good wake up album. Really? Um, yep. Set okay. your uh, set your alarm uh, to play this in its entirety. Okay. And then you wake up to light from a dead star. I can see. And you putter around your morning routine. Okay. To the rest of the record, and you're coming out of the shower at about when I die finishes. Hmm. I and can now see your that morning's done. See, ironically. I have the next record that we're going to talk about as my wake-up record. Mm, I'll buy it. Yeah. I can... It's a totally different way. Yeah, no, it's a very different. It depends on how you want to wake up. Yeah. Do you want to ease into your day with a sense of calm and centeredness and connection to the universe? Or do you want to jump out of bed ready to beat the shit out of the world? And those are both really... Really valid ways to do things. Neither one of them is wrong. Yeah. For me... If I'm conscious, I better goddamn well be doing something. That checks out. Yeah. And it is a shame that this style of indie rock did not catch on wider, because this there were a bunch of bands <clears throat> that sounded like this, but other than the barest of ripples, yeah. none of them caught on outside of the uh, UK. I, again, as I said, you know, at least from this album, and only just to hear the songs themselves that you mentioned from the next album, I do not know anything of Lush. Yeah. Or had not heard of them, anything like that. Honestly, it's a goddamn miracle we even heard stuff like Blur. Yeah. I mean, they must have been just absolutely enormous over in the UK. Oh, they were pretty world-beating. Oh, it, absolutely. It, I'm not saying that they weren't. I'm just saying that for them to have made any ripple whatsoever here, yeah, they were uh, so singular. They must have been huge. So, I mean, these guys 
are clearly very good. Lush is very, very good, but just didn't get enough traction. Yeah, it was kind of a fishbowl of a scene. Yeah. With very little. Although, I will point out that alternative music in the 1990s All of did use a lot more reverb and distortion True. than alternative music previous. And if all of these bands wanted to claim credit for that, they probably that's could. an argument that would be worth making. Well, and I mean, it, you know, back to the fishbowl thing, I think each of the scenes had its own fishbowl. One thing that I think the reason why grunge in particular, the Seattle sound, was so influential in my life is literal proximity to it. I feel like it was more global than you give credit for, but I would need to have lived in a different country in 1993 to know Admittedly, that for certain. yeah. Because, like, a very successful grunge band would sell 15, 20 million copies well, of a record around the world. But... but a very successful band of this style... Okay. I'm imagining would be measurable in the hundreds of thousands. I don't know. I mean, do we compare... Grunge straight murdered the style of guitar rock that existed previous to it. Oh, absolutely, it did. At that point, I feel like you are the dominant form of music. Yeah, you've basically taken its heart and just eaten away at it. In so... order to consume its strength, as you must if you are a musician. That's okay. how musicians work, right? They're all cannibals, yes. Every single one. It stands to reason. I mean, we've seen what various early metal performers were capable of doing. They were eating the hearts of Paul McCartney and John Lennon. I don't, I don't know. This, this analogy went wrong. No, I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, like, if people want to take it as a metaphor, it's a strong one for how bands are influenced by other bands and apply their sounds to their own. However, I do want to make it clear, we are literally accusing heavy metal bands from the 1970s and 80s of eating human flesh. There is no metaphor involved. Which brings us to the end of the show! <laughs> I hadn't, oh. I hadn't meant for it to. <laughs> but do you ever get to a point where which brings us to the end of the show makes you laugh so hard that the show is now over? <laughs> oh, because how do you come back from that? No, I think we're done. We're, I think oh, we're done. man. So I'm going was... I'm to end with three questions. All I right. suspect that I already know the answers to all three. All right. One. Will you be listening to Split by Lush and again in the future going forward? Oh my effing god, yes. Nice. I am so glad. Uh, will you be exploring Lush further? Yeah. Which way do I go? Back or forwards? There's no bad answer here. If you want more clear, concise pop songs, they do it shockingly well okay. on the album uh, immediately after this, Love Life. Okay. If you want bigger and more atmospheric, they do that incredibly well, previous to this, on their first series of EPs and their debut. Okay. Just pick whatever pick mood, whichever, I, whatever mood yeah. you're in at the moment. I imagine, I imagine I'm going to be listening to all of it, because, yeah, it has impressed me, honestly, beyond words. It's, it has been a wicked, wicked listen. Yeah, they are one of my favorite 90s bands that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> Which uh, is really one of the reasons that I started a show. Yeah. To talk about old bands that I like. Yeah, well, why not? Yeah. And finally, if you had to pick one song from this album to play us out, what would you pick? I'm going to go with Undertow. Uh, uh, it just, it blew me away. 
Nice. All right, we're going out on Undertale. This has been a Soundtrack to a Life. I have been Chris. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SoundtrackCast. We are at SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, review us. Reviews are super important in terms of getting the word out there to uh, new listeners. We will be back in a couple of weeks to listen to a record that sounded literally nothing like what I expected it to when it was assigned to me. Mike, do you got anything you want to push? Uh, drink more good beer. I don't know. That's, that's real good that's, advice. That's a great piece of advice for anyone. We will see you in two weeks. Let me try to pull you